Welcome back, everybody. This is Edwin Adams, host of the Aesthetics of Leadership podcast. I am humbled and privileged to have a man of many talents with me today, Tom Knight. My brother, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Well, Tom, this is, this is a first for the Aesthetics of Leadership podcast. I have never had an Emmy award-winning artist on the show. So, man, I feel like this show just went up like a factor of 12 on a 10-point scale. So I'm interested in that story. I'm interested in so many stories. But, you know, some of my listeners may not know who Tom Knight is. Could you give us the 20,000-foot the view of Tom Knight? And then we're going to dive into some of those transformational moments from your past that have created your present and set you up for a really amazing future. Cool. Okay. Um, I'm a transplant. I was born in Pennsylvania, but grew up here in Georgia for mm, 49 of my 51 years. So I go ahead and claim the South, but I got a toe in the, in the waters up in Pennsylvania still. Some of my family is still there. Um, I uh, grew up in the music business. Let's say it that way. Uh, I, I fell in love with drums, as you can see, uh, when I was six years old beating around on pots and pans and generally tearing up the furniture when I was in the first grade. And so um, that developed into a real love of music. And I followed that passion through high school and college, which I didn't finish because I actually started working in the business. And I thought to myself, oh, this is what I was supposed to be doing anyway. So, hey, I'll go back and, and, and finish that degree later, um, which I am currently doing now, 32 years after the fact. But in the music business, I was very successful. Um, I got to play with some of my favorite artists, um, uh, most notably Stevie Nicks. The reason that name sticks out to me is because she was the singer of the song Rhiannon by Fleetwood Mac, and that was the first single I ever bought in my life, ever. Dumping 97 cents out on the counter, you know, up in Chicago when we lived in Chicago. That was the first single I ever bought, and so, you know, decades later when I played songs with her in the studio, I told her that story, you know, and it was a really magical full circle moment. Uh, other artists I got lucky enough to play with were Monica, TLC, who I ended up playing on two records, uh, landed on two singles, did, I was their touring drummer for 11 years, biggest gig, best work I ever had in my entire life, still to this day. Um, and then when that job came to an end, uh, or at least the first tour, I should say, came to an end, um, I was looking for a way to market myself to other artists and found that video production was kind of the way of the future. This was back in 2000. And so uh, I got involved in video production and then that became a business um, called Nighttime Studios Incorporated. Ridiculous name. I, I wish I could go back and change that, but it's okay. <laughs> um, but then that, that, that business still exists today. That, that S Corp is still alive and functioning, I still do video production. That parlayed me over into voiceover. Clients started saying, hey, you know, um, we like the way you sound, why don't you do the narrations and you know, we'll pay you and, and we'll get it done faster. So I started doing that and uh, yeah, I, I did win an Emmy uh, for a sports promo that I voiced for uh, an Ohio uh, team. And I think that was back in 2013. But uh, yeah, it was, I didn't even know I'd been nominated. I got a call saying I'd won. I'm like, oh my, this is the best day in, in the, my life. Like, <laughs> I'm so lucky. Like, it is really a stroke of luck. I, 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 I don't know how to explain it. I just, you know, I got lucky. And, um, and so I still do all those things. I still play drums uh, for people over the internet. They'll send me tracks and I will record them and send them back. Um, before the pandemic, I was playing weekly out. Um, you know, uh, I still do video. I'm involved in three different video edits right now for a company, a holding company that, that sells malls. They sell entire strip malls and giant uh, office compounds and things like that. So I help them uh, create promotional video advertising for those, pro uh, for those um, properties. And then of course, narration is a daily, a daily uh, job for me. So that is the bird's eye view, socially and personally and family-wise. Uh, I'm married, have been married for a decade and a half. I've got three wonderful boys. We, we don't have any girls here except for the wife. Um, uh, a three-year-old, a six-year-old, and a 12-year-old, and they are the delight of my life and make everything worthwhile. 
Incredible, Tom. Wow. Well, look, I want to start with the family man, Tom, first. I think that is by far the most intriguing for me because as, as a dad I and a husband, I remember becoming a dad and wanting to be the best dad possible. And that was a transformation being a 32-year-old bachelor, mm. becoming father to um, immediately a father to a son I eventually adopted. I read every book possible, Tom, mm. in order to, to prepare myself. And it was woefully inadequate. So I can only imagine with one child how difficult it was Tell me about the transition of being a dad to now three beautiful children. And I love seeing you guys play in the pool and, <laughs> and the love shared, but, but wow, what a challenge. And, and your poor wife outnumbered totally. Oh yes. But she can hold her own. Let me tell you, she is unafraid of the challenge and is not, not daunted. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was 40 when my first son was born so definitely well past the the usual age i should say of of when uh, a lot of families have their first child um partly due to my constant being on the road right I'm, i was never in one place um and yeah i was i was definitely worried about what it would be like was i going to be a good dad you know how was this going to work and like you said there's there's no manual and you can read as many books as you want it is going to be woefully inadequate isn't it there's nothing like experience to to teach us and that certainly was true for me it was nowhere near as scary and bad and weird as i you know negatively anticipated that it would be in fact the thing i began to say to everyone and I still say, is that prior to having a kid, no one can tell you what it's like. After having a kid, you will never convince those who don't what it's like. It, it, there's a, there is a line of demarcation that cannot be crossed by either. You just, until you do it, you have no idea. And no matter how many kids you've had, you can't convince those without them what it's like. You, you, you just can't. You, this is one of those things you have to experience, I think. And, uh, and so, yeah. Um, it was wonderful. It was literally the best thing and still is the best thing in, in my life, you know, and then having a, a second one, six years later, and then a third one, three years later after that, just exponentially grew uh, the love in, in this house. But, you know, Cassie and I, my wife's name is Cassie, we, we decided when we first met, we would eventually want three kids. So it was a plan. You know, yeah, it was, what a beautiful it was scary, plan. but it was a plan. We knew what we wanted and we did it. Uh, amazing. So, you know, Tom, being a dad and, and reading all those books and preparing myself, I found that my default was to parent like I was parented. And that didn't exactly. go well. That, 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 that did not go well. So I had to adapt myself to to a new way of parenting and that created a lot of confusion and anxiety over a period of time and a lot of communication with the wife on how am I doing? What am I doing? What do I need to start, stop and continue doing? And it was a lot of experimentation to really around communication and boundaries. I'm curious what you have found. I mean, I got my son as a teenager mm -hmm. and, and you now have one child approaching the teenage yeah. years. So I know that's a dynamic time in their life, but what was the, the, the epiphany moment that I need to do something different, or maybe you're just going with the flow. What's the strategy? So, yeah, I come from what they would call a broken family. You know, uh, my father, my first last name, my original last name was Schultz. I was born Thomas Clark Schultz Jr. Named after my biological father, but he left us when I was two. I have no recollection of him at that age. We're, we're all good now. Uh, I got back in touch with him, I think in my 15th year, um, somewhere in high school. And it was awesome. And it's been awesome ever since. There's no hard feelings or anything like that. But I don't have a, a memory of him. And so when my mother married Ken Knight, I got the Knight name, which is, you know, what I've been using ever since. And, um, and I was raised by them. And they are, they love unconditionally. So what I might have missed from my biological father, I certainly gained uh, in greater numbers from the Knight family. 
Um, that is not to say that there weren't issues all along during my youth, right? I didn't get into, into trouble. I didn't do drugs and I didn't hang out with, with bad people. In fact, I, I, I was a kind of a hermit. I was, you could be, I could be caught practicing at all times. And so I probably was underdeveloped socially <laughs> because of music, but nonetheless, yeah, there's always, you know, demons, as they say, that get passed down and that you don't want to pass on to your, your kids. So um, me bringing my sort of broken past into this marriage uh, to my wife, who comes from a completely unbroken family, um, what, a, what a bunch of winners they are. Uh, there, there was a little clashing there because she knew what it meant to be a part of a loving family that, that, that stood by one another. I didn't. And so uh, as, as interested as I was in trying to learn, I'm sure I was resistant and maybe even still am without even knowing it. I hope not. That's certainly not the goal. The goal is to learn. And, and, but she has elevated me. You know, My fear is that I might have pulled her down. I hope not. But she has definitely taught me you know, what a, a, a solid family structure is like and, and what it means to fully support one another and never abandon your, your, your significant others. And so um, that's, that's one part. Another part is anybody who's seen pictures of us knows I married outside my race. Mm -hmm. I'm a white guy. She's a black woman. And so we have these beautiful golden children, as I've heard them referred to. Um, but they call themselves black and they should, because that's how the world is going to see them. Sure. Um, but, but there's a cultural difference there too, right? So, so we've got all kinds of things in the mix. And some of those things are absolute yin and yang beauty. Others are a collision of epic proportions. So we, we have to deal with those. And yeah, I mean, counseling, therapy, book reading, as you pointed out, we've done all that and continue to do all that. And it's all about growth. It's all about trying to improve, become better and, uh, you know, live the best life we can as long as we can. Yeah. So why is, why, help me then if, if that, that narrative is so important in the family unit, why as a country have we failed to recognize the value of, of diversity and inclusion and love to that, that family degree unit to have all of this drama that we're, we're having in culture and society now at, is that a symptom of something greater, like family unit breakdown, or, or what? I, I, I know it takes a lot of smart people to figure out societal issues like this, but I'm trying to find where I can have impact and influence in That's, that narrative. That is a great question. Um, the only thing I can come up with is that when you have such a long history as a country of acting a certain way or believing certain things and and uh it's hard that's those are those become harder and harder to shed they're they're passed on and to the point where they're not just beliefs they're actually ways of life and that's that's a really hard thing i think to get past you know it's hard enough for me to overcome things that happened in my lifetime but to try and overcome generations worth of adherence to very old, outdated, strict policy. I don't know how you do that, other than to just try to set an example. Uh, and that's what I try to do. Um, I, was a, as a, I was an instructor for 21 years at the Atlanta Institute of Music, and I had a policy that I would never, ever, ever require my students to do anything that I didn't first show them. It was not about doing what I said, but let me show you how it can be done. And then if you need a model, there it is. If you, if you didn't need me to show you, great. But for those of you who did, I'm going to actually do this first. I'm never going to test you on something that I can't do. I'm never going to make you do something in front of me that I can't, that I didn't first show you. So I, I, that's how I teach my kids. Um, and that's just generally how I operate in life. Uh, I feel like the best thing for me to do and the best thing that, that any of us can do is to lead by example. It's such a cliched way to say it, but it's true. You're not going to tell anybody what to do. You can show them though. And then maybe they'll, you know, maybe not feel so threatened by, you know, what might've been your, just your antagonistic word. 
yeah, at the, at the end of it all, um, my philosophy is that I'm better, I'm probably better equipped to try and show through example than I ever would be by just simply telling or dictating or requiring verbally, you know, something. I, I, I just prefer to, to show people that it, something can be done and that it can be beautiful. Well, yeah, and, and what a beautiful thing for a parent to have top of mind because specifically, and I've, I've tried to study how the brain works and operates and, you know, we only know so much, but the, the current theory is that girls age seven to nine, up until age seven to nine and boys probably out to age 11 or 12 are in download mode. So their prefrontal cortex has not fully formed. So logic doesn't come into being. They are feeling an emotional being. So they watch and their operating system is being downloaded for a long time. So what better way to help them with their programming of their iOS mm. than with modeling and feeling and love and example than knowledge or wisdom that they can't logically partition yet. So I right. think that's, that's an amazing facet of transformation of a family unit that we forget. Uh, Cause we, I remember just the teenage years were hard and I wasn't thinking about download. I was thinking about reprogram. <laughs> right, right, right. So that, that is such an amazing insight, Tom. Thank you. For oh, that. thank you. Thank you. Wow. Wow. So then maybe you can also help with some advice in having difficult conversations around, around race, around history, around behavior, habit, culture. You have a microcosm of that in, in your house. And, and just because of your relationship, trust and respect, those conversations flow a lot differently than the random stranger on the street who is stepping forward from a perceived truth that might not be another person's truth. How would you engage in conversation with someone around a difficult subject such as race relations? Well, yeah, that, what an excellent question and very pertinent at this time, <laughs> right? Um, let me think about that. Uh, I have not had to have very many of those. And the ones that I have had to have, sounds weird to say, uh, have been with close family members more often than not. Uh, interesting, interestingly, I don't get really any blowback from friends or strangers even. Um, but within tight family circles, there's, there are some relatives who just don't get it. I, I, for lack of a better way to say it. And so, yeah, those conversations are, are, are difficult, especially if they're your superiors, which actually now that I think of it, all of them are. So, you know, they're, they're your elders. I shouldn't say superiors, they're older than me, they're, el they're my elders. And so uh, there's a respect factor that sometimes feels like I'm crossing, just even approaching the subject. Um, and then coming across, you know, I try not to come across as a, again, as a teacher or as like I'm making admonishments. Is that the right word? Is that the right way to say that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, admonitions, admonishments. I'm not trying to correct their behavior so much as trying to get them to see another point of view. Cause again, what I find is the backfire effect is a very real phenomenon. People, want to believe what they want to believe, will find whatever they can to support those beliefs and dig their heels into the dirt when confronted with opposing views. So again, I'm gonna kind of lean back to answer this question, I'm gonna lean back to what I said a minute ago. I try to exhibit behavior more than speak words. Sometimes you have to speak words though, right? Some things can't or aren't as quickly imparted to others without just simply saying it. But even still, I try to approach it very, very uh, diplomatically without any antagonism, calmly, um, to, so as not to inflame the backfire effect in them because it, gosh, it, it's, so, it's such a prevalent response mechanism. And 
you can't fight that with animosity, anger, uh, harsh words, and antagonistic behavior. You can't. You have to be. You have to. You have to do it in a spirit of love. That's the best way I can think to say it. Mm. So any any conversation that I have with anyone, whether it whether it is a friend, because you know I've had conversations like this with friends, um, but especially family members where it might be a little more difficult because of history. You know, doing things in the spirit of love, you can still be firm, but not so much so that that that, that you scare them and 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 force them into old behavioral patterns that that aren't productive. Yeah. Oh goodness. Wow. So yeah, I, I love what you said about modeling. Um, um, as, as far as saying something, uh, one of my colleagues, I, I have a, a few black colleagues that, that are on my sales team. And you know, when all of this happened, I felt compelled to enter into discussion with them about how to transform my perceived truths into a new reality because something clearly had to, had to change. And one of them spoke up and said, Ed, you know what? It's, it's your silence that shows me you're struggling, but it's also your silence that can show me that you don't care. Mm. So do me a favor. Don't be silent anymore. Have those conversations. She said, you you know the the mantra, seek the truth? Mm-hmm. She said, none of us have the truth, Ed. We should always be looking for it. And in order to look for it, you have to be in dialogue with others to see different ways of seeing the world. Because if we're trying to hold on to truth, um, that's an insecurity and that's an inside job of growth and development. I was just floored. At, at that time that my silence could be perceived as to her as I don't care about her. And, and that hurt me that I was hurting her. And I appreciated what she said about not being silent. Uh, so it, I think it has to be, to your point, a combination of both. It has to be action and modeling. And then maybe maybe calling people out. I don't know if that's the right term, but not letting the narrative continue when it's unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Um, I think, I think they call it tacit approval. Yeah. Tacit, tacit compliance. No approval. I think is the right word. Tacit approval. Uh, or it reminds me of a rush lyric. I think I want to say the song is free will. (laughs) Even if you have, what, how does it go? Even if you decide not to choose, you still have made a choice. Exactly. Um, I'm not trying to be too corny here, but there's a, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Even inaction says something or can say something. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow, Tom. Wow. Well, I would, I would love to continue down this road, maybe on another show. I think there's a lot of, a lot of good stuff there. Um, you, you have some other transformational experiences that I think are of value to, to people listening. I love that you talked about Stevie Nicks. That is my wife's by far number one favorite artist we saw her last year in new orleans in an incredible concert she couldn't hit the high notes but still she killed it she killed it and it was wonderful um you you clearly had a talent and a passion that developed early what i notice in a lot of young men today is that passion and purpose are something they're still looking for into their 20s and 30s in the context that it is a destination or a point on the map that they will at some point reach. Mm. There's some confusion around, should I make this decision? Should I make that decision? I don't know what the right answer is Mm. in stepping forward because I don't want to screw up my purpose and my passion. I know it's out there Mm -hmm. and it's, it's never this way. And, an inside look. It's always external. Can you comment on that from someone who clearly had a passion early on and has developed that into such an art form today? What, what would you tell that lost soul? Wow. Um, that's, that is a tough one because, uh, I don't recall a time and this sounds awful to say, but I can't recall a time where I didn't know what I wanted. So, Sadly, I might be the worst person to ask because I didn't have to struggle in that regard. Um, I always knew what I wanted to do. I, I 
like I said, from five or six years old, uh, I knew I wanted to be a musician and a drummer specifically. Like I knew at that age, six years old, my parents were playing in Agata de Vida. And, you know, we, we had blacklight posters and they were hippies, man. It was awesome. <laughs> As a kid, it, it was like being in a fun house. But, uh, you know, Ron, I, think the, I think the drummer's name is Ron Bushy for, uh, oh gosh, I can't think of the name of the band. Um, Iron Butterfly. That's it. Iron Butterfly. And, and, and I remember reading on the liner notes that he built his own drums that he played. And, and, and the drum solo in the song In Agata De Vida was my first, that was, that was what made me want to be a drummer. Um, ironically, I would end up playing in the R&B world, not the, the psychedelic rock world or even any part of rock and roll. But nonetheless, I always knew what I wanted. So Ha, huh. I, I, I hate to say it, but I don't know that I have any advice for people who are searching other than to keep searching. Now, I will say this. Once they land on something that they think they might even moderately enjoy, I would definitely coach them in a direction that would help them realize that it's the, it's the journey that you want to fall in love with and not the destination. You mentioned something about a destination being uh, the goal. And sure, you can, I think it's important to have goals. I think it's important to say to yourself definitively what you want, but you got to learn to love the chase. And if you don't love the chase, those goals are going to be really a lot harder to accomplish. They're going to be a lot harder to realize and bring to fruition. But if you love what you do to the point where even the struggling times are still somehow fun, you are going to win. You will become unbeatable because nothing's going to slow you down. I would, that's the advice I would give. That's fantastic. And, and, and I appreciate about what you said that you, you always knew what you wanted. But I, I heard a lot about environment that you were in that that didn't crush that dream early on. So I worry about people's environments where if, if I told my dad, I, I, I want to be a drummer, I know that's what I want to do. He would have gone, no, you're, you're going to be a doctor. Mm. No, you can't make a living as a drummer. No. And boom, crushed. So therefore, you know, you sequester all of that dream and passion and hope, um, all of that is, is crushed and, and it comes out later that, well, I'm a doctor, but I'm not a really fulfilled doctor. And, you know, uh, there's something else out there calling me. What is it? And you keep looking outside when really all you did was suppress it inside and spend some time here and let it, let it come back out in a better environment of conducive to growth and transformation. Um, does that resonate at all uh, about environment? Absolutely. Um, absolutely. First of all, I, I was, had very supportive parents and grandparents. Like I said, I was adopted into the Knight family, and they're the ones, the, my grandparents are the ones that paid for all of my uh, initial private drum lessons. My folks couldn't afford it. Um, they, they had a hard enough time just renting the snare drum that I needed in the sixth grade to continue to be in band. So the, the grandparents were like, well, well, we'll pay for the education. And they did that for years. I had support on all sides, right? Um, very, very fortunate. I know that a lot of people uh, growing up didn't have that. My own wife didn't have that. She had dreams of being an artist and her parents were like, mm, nope. <laughs> she still loves art and sometimes wonders how successful she might've been. Um, so it's, it's a reality for, for a lot of people that uh, they, they don't, they, they, they do get squashed, right? She turned out great, by the way. <laughs> She's not arguing. Uh, I think she very much appreciates the, the manner in which she was raised, because this is not to disparage her parents at all. Sure. I mean, again, they, they, they got it right. They really did, more, more so than most. Um, but there is an element of that truth in her life. Um, also, uh, I was going to say something else about that that you made me think. Um, it was, had something to do. Oh, I know what it was. A balance. So... I did grow up with that kind of freedom, but what was missing, what was deficient long into my adult life, 
was the other side. In other words, I probably could have benefited from a little bit more discipline, from a little bit more of a, hey, great, you're playing music, but don't forget about this over here. Man, I was in my 30s before I ever bought a house. Uh, you know, like, I, <laughs> this, I, I hate admitting this, but I'm gonna. I had no idea that I needed to be investing money. I just thought all you had to do was save. This is the dumbest decision a young person can make. <laughs> you, saving is great, but it's nothing compared to wise investment. And I did not do that for the vast majority of my life. So following your dream and being successful, that's all great. And, and I wouldn't trade it for the world, but I'll tell you what, I wish, I wish I had been dealt with a little more heavy handed when it came to other truths in life. So again, I'm gonna say balance, you know, where you got some families who definitely squash the dream then you got other families, the one I was in, who just said, whatever you want to do, we support. That's a very comfortable and loving environment, but I needed more. And, and, and I'm, I'm a kind of paying for it now. I'm okay, but yeah, balance. That's the key. Yeah, fascinating. And it, it almost speaks back to what we were talking about with modeling, that just what an influence modeling has, be it an open model where go do whatever whatever you want to do, we'll support you to know we, we need to have some other priorities here as well and some structure. So modeling matters. Modeling mm -hmm. matters tremendously. Yeah. Incredible. Well, look, one of my favorite videos on, on your website is One Night in Bangkok. Ah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so creative. So tell me, clearly you've got the voice component on there and the vocals but you also did all of the, the music, all the timing, all the video editing to bring that together. Where are you taking this talent next? Is it, is it an evolving talent? Does it have, has it reached its pinnacle yet? Uh, or is there some new destination that you're wanting to take your knowledge, skills, and attitude? Interesting. Uh, when it comes to music, those were just, I, I would just say that those were, um, just little milestones, thumbtacks in the timeline of, of my having fun on Instagram, really. Uh, I didn't necessarily mean for it to become a pattern, although I did do three of those. I did One Night in Bangkok by Murray Head. I did a Brothers Johnson song called Strawberry Letter 23, which has an amazing bass line. And then I did uh, an old 1980s Bon Jovi hit called Runaway. Those three, if you haven't seen those other two, check them out. <laughs> check them oh, out. Wow. I did not mean to, to do that many of, uh, three is not that many, but I didn't mean to even get past the first one. Um, and I've got plans to do more. Uh, it's, but I'm not, I don't think I'm really trying to uh, grow that. It's just, those were really just challenges to myself. I wonder if I can do this. I wonder if I can pull that off. Can I practice the bass, pull the bass off the wall? Can I figure out this line and can I get it to be good enough to you know, line up with what I know I can pull off on the drums. Can I figure out the harmonies and can I blend with myself enough to make those harmonies not embarrassing, you know? Um, and some might watch those videos and still be you know, cringy and embarrassing on my behalf. I, I don't know, I don't think so, but maybe. Uh, but the, the bottom line is, yeah, I, it was really just me daring myself, so to speak. Can you pull this off, you know? Um, interestingly enough, the Bon Jovi uh, rendition got reshared by the Zildjian Company, which is the maker of these fine symbols here. It's a Turkish symbol company that's been in existence for hundreds of years, and they are uh, considered by many drummers to be the number one brand in symbols. I certainly do. I've been endorsing them since the, since '99. Um, they shared that video on their Instagram channel. It was such an honor, you know. Um, just just like five days ago or something. And uh, I, I had no idea they were going to do it. It was amazing. It, and that's really all it was. It was just me tr having, trying to have fun and seeing if I could do it. Uh, it takes about a full day for me to cobble all that stuff together. Longer to practice, but in, when, I, when I finally sit down to do it for real, I need about a 10-hour day to do everything from recording it, editing it, assembling it into a video, and uh, exporting it and publishing it. So... It's, and that's all you. You don't have a team that helps you do any of that. That is so low. No, I just I just set up a camera, move the lights around, 
you know, um, and hit record constantly. And believe me, there are a lot of really bad takes. Like, don't, don't be, don't misunderstand. I suck most of the time at that stuff. <laughs> what you're hearing, of course, as, as you might expect on Instagram, uh, is that you're seeing and hearing the best that I can pull off. No one ever sees the stuff that hits the cutting room floor. And there is a lot of bad stuff on my cutting room. <laughs> Horribly missed notes. You know, I'll develop a blister because I'm not really a bass player. But when I do the slap lines, I'll get a blister on my, my finger from the pops um, within about five minutes. So I have a very short window. I have a very short window within which I can nail a part. And if I can't, I got to wait days the blister to heal, heal and try it again oh tom uh, seriously i would have never thought that but what an incredible uh, well, well that's another principle of transformation you're gonna suck more than you win oh, embrace the suck and step forward anyway that's exactly right that is exactly right don't be afraid to mess up don't be afraid to be wrong you know in this in this political era of everybody has to be right you know no it's okay to be wrong in fact there's there's uh there's strength in that people can relate to it because they know they're wrong a lot too, despite what they're posting. <laughs> exactly. You know, um, I fall over when I do handstands more than I don't fall over. But funny how I never post those. <laughs> um, you know, uh, but it's true. You know, I'm still in that learning stage uh, after all these years. Gosh, that's another thing about gymnastics. I have to say that I love just as much as I love the, about the drums. That was a, a lifetime achievement. I mean, I, I'm still working on things. There are still things that I wish I could do better after all these decades of, of performing. Uh, th and so I work on those things. Gymnastics is very much like that. This kind of working out, it's an all or none game. And I'm very attracted to things that are just incredibly difficult. I, again, I, I almost take it as a dare. Can you do this? Yeah, you're 51. You're well past the age of, of building muscle. Can you do it? You're too old. You don't have balance anymore. Wrong. I think you can develop this stuff. I think that at any age, so long as you are not disabled, you can, you can do this stuff. And I proved it to myself that I could. Well, I think that's a, a great topic to end our conversation on is what you have done. I mean, you know, Tom, I'm sorry, but most people, I would think if they won an Emmy, they would go, yep, that's it. Just, I'm, that's it. I, I'm, I'm done. I have reached the pinnacle of my career. It, it's over. I won an Emmy. But no, you, you've taken this tenacity and grit for growth and applied it to another area of life. And, you know, I'm, I've, I've turned that half centurion mark as, as well, Tom. And it's amazing where the focus starts to go after 50 and it tends to focus on your health and your longevity and your ability to be with your kids and uh, wait, wait for the grandkids to show up and there's life after 50 and you've embraced that and turned turn that into a, a mantra, so to speak. And it's almost like your mantra that you have for your speaking igniting desire and steering action with every word. And I think you're doing that with the physical aspect of, of your being. Tell me more about that. I know we, we shared a little bit uh, with Brandon Burns recently when we were in one of his peak performance masterclasses. That was a, that's where I met you. And that was a joy to, mm -hmm. to make that connection because wow, I met a, a, a 50 plus year old, who is doing some amazing body work and creating some amazing transformations in your physique that is coming from a soulful energy that, that you have. So one energy is transforming something else. And I think it's amazing. So I'll shut up and let you talk now. I was just going to say um, it's, it's an infectious feeling, you know, I, I do think, I do think when you accomplish a, a, a dream, you realize a dream or, 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 or in my case, I, yeah, I went, to, I went on tour with one of my favorite groups of all time. I ended up winning an Emmy that I didn't even know I was nominated for. Um, there were times when I, I did rest and say, oh God, I, I made it, I'm here. I remember being at the Budokan in Japan. We were the headliner. I'm looking around and I'm, I'm in that same place that Cheap Trick did their live concert album. 
I'm sitting on that stage. I really felt like I had made it. Another time was, was uh, doing the Jay Leno Tonight Show with Jay Leno. That was another thing. It was like, I, I have, there's not much more I could do to top this feeling that I'm experiencing right now. But there's an infectiousness about that. You crave more of it. When you taste it, you want more, right? And, and not in a greedy sense, but you, you now know that it's possible. You, you did it. Somehow or another, you got where you are and you want to do that again. It, it's a confidence thing. You, you now know that you're capable. And there's also a little bit of uh, a nagging sense that if you don't, well, why not? You know you can, right? At least, at least if I had never made it, I could say, well, okay, I, I didn't get lucky or that wasn't for me. But once you touch that, you taste, get a little taste of that glory, you know it's possible. And, and there's guilt that, that quickly arises when you don't give yourself 100%. Because you know you can. You've done it before. Why aren't you doing it now? I can't live with myself like that. I have to. I am so motivated to just shut my own guilt up if nothing else, I can't skip a workout. I can't not eat right because I feel guilty otherwise, you know. Um, they're gonna, of course, label that as some kind of a compulsive disorder. I disagree. I think it is a focus issue. And, and, and if nothing else, it is a desire to just continue that wonderful dopamine hit that you get when you succeed. And, and uh, I hope I'm not coming off haughty or arrogant or anything like that because I really don't mean to I am simply saying when you achieve a goal there's a really there's a very powerful feeling that, that, that you experience that lasts forever and it is fuel for future endeavors I promise just stick with it and let it guide you and and if if you have any amount of luck at all it, it's gonna it's gonna serve you so Tom it's definitely become another passion of yours. I'm, I'm, I know you're going to win an Emmy award or something in the fitness world. I don't know what the Emmy award in fitness would be, but uh, irregardless, I think you, you have, you have turned a passion into an opportunity to influence, help influence others to transform. Because if I don't have the spirit within me of success that drives my, my beliefs and my behaviors, maybe I can borrow some of yours because you're over 50, you're killing it through nothing more than moving your body through space in, in ways that it has never been moved before. And therefore your body transforms in response to that. That's amazing what you're creating with a passion of success and a, and a goal that you have uh, to not be satisfied uh, to, to keep that's growing. A, that's so a great way to say it. That's a great way to say that. I wish I'd have thought of that. Never satisfied. That's it. And that's not a bad thing. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. C.S. Lewis once wrote something to the effect of we are, we are at our peak when that thing we want is just beyond our reach. Yeah. I'm, I, I seem to live there. Uh, I'm always trying to do something I can't quite do. And he was right. I love it. It's real. That, that, not quite satisfied thing. Woo. That is a powerful, powerful motivator for me. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about where you're, where you're taking this. I know it's in its infancy and I want everybody to realize they're hearing it here first. So when you see Tom Knight in the future, this is where he had his start, everybody. So tell us, Tom, what's up? Thank you. Um, I, I had been blithely, well, not blithely. I had been politely ignoring um, random requests to train, do personal training. I, I didn't feel comfortable. Definitely the imposter syndrome was very real and, and still is, I'm not gonna lie, uh, in, 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 when it comes to fitness. I am so new to this still. In the gymnastics world, every, people generally get into it when they're single digit, young single digit ages, right? Uh, I'm half a century old, <laughs> you know? what do I know? So when people would ask me, I, I, I would very politely refuse, but enough people started requesting, especially once the pandemic hit and they were saying, saying things like, Hey, look, you know, people need you. They, they need 
inspiration and you're a good one to give it to them. You're already doing it. Then my wife finally said, why don't you just be intentional? She, she gets a little, you know, starts rolling her eyes when I make some of these posts, you know, cause of course she can see them and so can her family. <laughs> and I get sometimes laughed at, it's okay. But she says, if you're intentional about it. And I thought, okay, let's combine all this. She says, be intentional. There's a lot of requests out there for my, maybe some assistance. So for the last couple of months, I've been strategizing, uh, putting to good use all of my marketing and product and brand management classes that I've been uh, taking recently. And I've come up with a company that I'm going to use, and it's called Tighten Up Your Game. Only Titan is spelled T-I-T-A-N, right? Titan. We want to be Titans. And Titan right now stands for uh, enjoying life to the fullest, that balance we were discussing, having everything you want including your health, right? And vitality. The mantra is uh, effective home-based fitness, meaning you don't have to buy anything. All you need is your body weight and a floor. <laughs> gravity will do the rest. Trust me. I've been using gravity for the last three or four years. I haven't picked up a weight ever. You don't need it. You really don't uh, to, 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 to accomplish everything I've done anyway. Um, and the slogan is increased, vita increased vitality through vigor and victuals. So in other words, we're gonna struggle a little bit for short periods of time. It's not gonna be undoable, okay? You can do it. And then victuals, healthy food. That's all it takes. And some good rest, of course. Um, but there's an Instagram channel by the same name, a Facebook page by the same name, and a YouTube channel, all, again, by the same name. Um, at the time that we're filming this, um, the social channels are empty. I've been spending a lot of time uh, fleshing out the website and it's mostly done. It's a little Spartan at the moment. There's not a lot of posts up there yet, but there are a few. Anybody that visits will at least see something on every page. The blog has a couple of posts. The victuals page has, I think, three recipes on there. Um, Vigor has one at the moment. I just started on that page and the home page is, I think, pretty much finished. Um, and of course, there's an about page where you can learn a little bit more about me. And then a contact page. If anybody has anything at all they want to, you know, ask, I'm more than happy to to answer. So that's where I'm taking it. And um, the primary objective at this point is to start with YouTube and just get content out there that I will share on the other two socials. But the primary vehicle will be YouTube, and and a lot of those videos will be uh, injected into the website. And that's the beginning. Where it goes from there, I'm not sure, but that's the plan. Well, I don't think there's any better model to have your influence realized in the world than that which you just told us about. You know, my mentor, John Maxwell, has always stated that leadership is influence. Mm -hmm. So you're practicing, you're modeling a level of leadership that is a lid raiser to your capacity. And and the capacity of those that follow you. So Tom, I, I, I applaud you, I respect you so much for not going in to the second half of life as a follower. You are definitely there as a leader. And man, you had me at hello. So ah. I wanna see where you take this from here, my friend. I'm, I'm so proud to have this connection. I'm so thankful for your influence wow. and uh, best wishes, this is awesome. Me too, man. Thank you so much for having me and giving me a chance to, to talk about this stuff. You know, Well, it, you'll have to come back. I know we're catching it at its infancy, maybe in a, a few months when, when you've got your sea legs under you and, and your tribe is starting to receive the message. We'll have to have you back because there are so many conversations I've written down that I want to continue having with you. And whether they're on here or offline, uh, man, I'm just thankful to, to have you in my circle of influence. You're too, an man. incredible leader. Oh, you too, brother. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. <laughs> well, I will definitely put all of your contact information down in the show notes. I know we know where, know where to find you on Tighten Up Your Game, but you have another website for your vocal work and, and some music there. Tell us about that. Okay, so that's TomKnightVoice.com. Uh, it's an older website. I try to uh, keep it up and running with newer and newer content. Um, a lot of the stuff that I do I can't share uh, just from, 
you know, current contractual obligations. Like, for example, uh, I do a lot of the work for the DEA, <laughs> a lot of voiceover work. For, there's a lot of stuff that, that we're not going to share, but I can at least say I do it. Um, so they're mentioned on the site. Um, I also have a third one that is really new, and it's just Tom Lee Knight. That's my middle name, L-E-I-G-H, um, a, a Knight family middle name. So when I was in, when I was back, sidebar, when I was uh, brought into the Knight family, I was also given their middle name. All the first born sons get the middle name and the last name. So TomLeeKnight.com, and that's a collection of a lot of a lot of things uh, from music to marketing a lot of the advertising work that i've done over the last couple of decades for various companies uh, video work print work um i think a, a lot of voiceover is also there that's more of an online repository of uh work like uh you might call it a, a portfolio site um so that's kind of an all-inclusive that, that's something i might share on linkedin for example you know, okay, so, so you can find a lot, a lot of things there. Uh, there. You'll see some of the same things, but um, that's also out there for anybody that's interested. Oh, fantastic. Well, I, I look forward to connecting people to your artistry, artistry, your giftedness, and your influence, Tom. Thanks again for being here. And for those of you listening to the show, thanks for subscribing. And we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks, everybody. Peace out. Hello, friends. Thank you so much for listening to this most recent episode of the Aesthetics of Leadership podcast. I'm really enjoying talking to some of today's real influencers in personal growth and development. And I'd like to ask you two things. Number one, if you enjoyed this episode, please, on whatever platform you are listening to this episode on, please write us a nice review, a five-star review. That will certainly help our podcast reach more people. And second, if this content resonated with you in any shape, form, or fashion, I'd like to invite you to join the Aesthetics of Leadership newsletter subscription. It's a brand new offering where I'm going to give you some of the best practices, hacks, summaries, articles that you can find in the industry right now all delivered to your inbox for a low monthly subscription rate. I hope you'll join me not only in the next episode of the Aesthetics of Leadership podcast, but you'll also join me in the newsletter where my intention is to add massive value to you. Thanks so much for being here and thank you in advance for a five-star rating of this episode. I hope to see you and hear you on another episode soon. Thanks so much.